After only two years and probably a bit premature, Hugh Jackson is out as the head coach of Grambling State, and I think his head coaching career is done too. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Now, today is everywhere. We're going to look at North Carolina Central wide receiver Devin Smith and a statement that he made in the playoff game at the end of the show. Prior to that, I'll give my rant, and I think you who knew. You know, who knew what happened in the SWAC today, knew this was on the way. But my boy Ladarius Owens did not get the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year, and I got something to say about that. But we kick it off with the biggest news of the morning, and one to me that was a bit shocking, and that's that Hugh Jackson has been fired by Grambling. And in me, in my opinion, I believe that this means he won't be a head coach again. Before we get into the ramifications and that aspect of it, how did we get here? I firmly believe that if Hugh Jackson wins the Bayou Classic, he's still the coach of Grambling. We dissected the final play and how I felt as if Grambling was outcoached on that play. I don't know if the decision makers looked at that and said, Hugh Jackson, you're an offensive coach. That was a poor offensive play. I highly doubt that's how it happened. But I do know if the outcome of that play, the last offensive play for Grambling was different, I don't think that Southern goes down the field and scores. So. They win the Bayou Classic. And what did I say happens if Grambling had won the Bayou Classic? Hugh Jackson will be sitting here thinking about what car he's going to pull out to park on Grambling's field in 2024. But because that didn't happen, I think we now look at a pattern of behavior. Or not pattern of behavior. That's dramatic. But a pattern of results that aren't favorable for Grambling. I believe that two years is too soon, in my opinion. But I think you look at this year in particular. Critical losses against Alabama State versus Southern and versus Alcorn. So for me, in my point of view, I believe those are the things that did him in. I once again want to follow up. I believe it's premature. I'm a big MMA fan. I don't know about you, but I love MMA, right? So this feels like an early stoppage. And for those who aren't MMA fans, basically, you'll see a guy where you get him on the ground and you're, and you're just rocking him. Boom, 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 hitting punches, right? 
and he's dazed, he's confused. He doesn't look like he absolutely knows where he is, but he might not be done yet. And you pull him off a little bit too early. That's an early stoppage. And that's where it felt like Hugh Jackson was at. It felt like Hugh Jackson was kind of on the ground, taking his lumps, but he still had the ability to either go unconscious or recover. And I'd argue that he seemed like he was on the verge of recovering. That's what I would argue. And this is me who has sat around and spoke about Hugh Jackson potentially losing his job all year long. I've sat around here and spoke about what he needed to do in order to save his job. If this happened, would he lose his job? I spoke about it a month ago. I said if Hugh Jackson and Grambling loses to Alabama State and then they lose to Gram uh, to Southern in the Bayou Classic, would Hugh Jackson be gone? And my answer at the time, I believe, was yes. That would be enough to get him out of here. But now that it's happened, and I was able to reflect on his tenure, he went 4-4 four and four last year. Now, you have to use context, and you have to look at the fact that he lost three critical games. But he went 4-4, four and four, which is an improvement from 2-6 and six the year prior. Grambling just didn't feel great. But at the same time, it's two years into a program. Right, you're two years in the program building. Is everything supposed to feel great? I think we might be asking Hugh Jackson to have do, uh, asking Hugh Jackson to have done too much in not enough time. I don't think Hugh had it, but there, the steps were there. He had found his quarterback. Miles Crowley was his quarterback of the future for a couple of years. I thought that that was a good start. You might lose Crowley now. I've seen one player already decommit from Grambling. I don't know if Crawley leaves because he's already transferred once, so he might just stay. But it wouldn't shock me if he came for Hugh and now that Hugh's gone, he's leaving. You know, but that's not something that you should think about when making this decision. So let's retract, right? But for me, you found a little bit of foundation. You made improvements in two and six in the conference to four and four in the conference. I felt like maybe losing this critical games that was enough for his seat to be hot, for his seat to be on fire, but not enough for him to be fired. I thought this was too soon. It's only been two seasons. It's only been two seasons. And this is me who has been extremely critical of Hugh Jackson. But now I don't care. Look, I can say it's been premature. I can say that maybe they shouldn't have got rid of him as early as they did. I can say all of those things. This being a premature firing him not maybe getting a full chance, enough time to develop his program. I got to put all of that aside because what the facts are is that he's been fired twice in the NFL. He's been fired in the NFL. I mean, in the, in the collegiate ranks. I don't think that he has another job as a head coach in his future. And I hate saying that. I really do hate saying it because for me, I think a lot of people try to say that Hugh's always getting the short end of the stick. I've heard people say that about him in Cleveland. I could argue because this was a premature firing in my mind that he got the short end of the stick in Grambling. But one thing can't be denied, and that's he's been fired in Cleveland. He's been fired in Oakland. He's been fired in Grambling. And I could argue that he came here to restore his head coaching pedigree. In two years and getting fired, it's not restored. I'm sorry. If you came here as a restoration project for your career, it didn't work. And I think this was the last stop for him as a head coach. He's not going to go to the D2 ranks, I don't believe. And I don't think anybody on the FCS or FBS level is going to accept him as a head coach. So short end of the stick or not, I don't believe that Hugh Jackson will be a football head coach 
anytime soon on collegiate or uh, pro ranks. Maybe he goes down to high school and he just coaches there. I don't know if he has some kids who are about to be in high school, maybe. But I think the future for him is being an offensive coordinator, being a quarterback's coach. I just don't think that you have that many opportunities to keep running this thing back. You, re I really don't. And I used to have no sympathy for Hugh because, you know, I didn't watch the Cleveland situation up close. But what I've seen is somebody who went 0-16. They, they just weren't good, right? I didn't watch his Oakland situation up close. And I think he might have got the short end of the stick there, too. But if you just keep getting the short end of the stick, eventually people are going to stop giving you a stick to have the short end of at the end of the day. Like, I, I hate that for him, but that's the truth. That is the truth. I label this as his last opportunity to be a head coach when he came to Grambling and you're leaving Grambling after only two years after being fired. I got to keep that same energy. Now, as we move forward, it's going to be about keeping that same energy. Because Ladarius Owens deserved the Offensive Player of the Year. But Ladarius Owens did not get the Offensive Player of the Year. What could this possibly mean? It means that the SWAC has unveiled their criteria for their all-SWAC superlatives at the end of the year and will break them down in addition to talking about why I do not agree with it as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. After you hear me, you'll have no other thought in your brain than to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college, right? And when you get there, make sure you use the code locked on college because it helps you get an extra deposit, or excuse me, it has your first deposit matched up to $100. Now, one thing I love about Prize Picks is they're going to make sure that you're taken care of. If somebody's injured and you put them on your, your entry, nah, we're not going to count that against you, right? You want to have two to six entries. Maybe you have Steph Curry at 27.5. Is he going to have more or less than that? Maybe you have Dak Prescott on Thursday night football with 227 passing yards, more or less. Like those are the type of things that you're faced with. And it's just you. No competing against anybody. It's you versus you. Do you know what you're talking about? If you do, go ahead and make money off of it. Go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use the code LockedOnCollege and get your first deposit matched up to $100. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember, we have our 24-7 sports channel all day, every day. Doesn't matter when you check it out, 2 a.m., 11 a.m., 11 p.m. You'll have the Locked on Sports Today YouTube stream continuously going. Now, I want to look at some more swack business. And this is Jeremy Musa. Versus Ladarius Owens. Um, Ladarius Owens, in my opinion, flat out deserved the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year. I don't want to call it a robbery 
because I know exactly why Jeremy Musa won the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year. And the only fault I take with my own thinking is that Owens was going to win. Now, I can always tell you he should have won. But I also thought that he was going to win. So much so that I didn't even post a little clip on Twitter because I'm like, you know, I'm going to wait till he wins to post it. I really thought that Owens was going to win. And maybe, maybe that's my alma mater speaking because he is the Texas Southern running back. Maybe that was the case. But I can't claim bias for saying that he deserved to win because when you put them stat for stat next to each other, Ladarius Owens is the clear winner. However, the committee made their criteria obvious. Team success is highly, highly more important than individual success, despite this being an individual award. To me, team success should go into your coach of the year. Individual success should go into your players of the year. But when, when we're comparing TSU and FAMU, FAMU is so widely more successful than TSU, the gap's not even close. But I could turn it around and say the gap's not even close when talking about Owens versus Musa. Right. And then the, the swag had the audacity to put Musa's national rankings out there. You should have just stuck with the swag. Like that's where the comfort lies. But when you're talking about national, he pales in comparison to Ladarius Owens. I would argue when you're just getting on an individual basis, his resume versus Owens's resume pales in comparison. It just does. Right. So. Here's my thing. Here's my thing is I actually like Jeremy Musa and I've defended Musa to fam you fans on this show. So in no way is this me hating on him. And I hate having to compare because you kind of have to put one over the other. But it's not a difficult choice. They told me that Jeremy Musa was 19th in the nation in yards per completion, 20th in the nation in yards per game. 27th in the nation in yards total, and then 29th in the nation in passing touchdowns. Ladarius Owens is third in the nation in rushing yards at the end of the season. He was top 15 in the nation when it comes to rushing touchdowns. All these numbers are in the 20s except for 19th, which is his yards per completion. But he don't even lead the SWAC in that number. So I'm not trying to put down Jeremy Musa. I promise. I like Jeremy Musa. I have defended him to fam you fans on this platform. But the fact of the matter is, if we're talking about individual versus individual, Musa and Owens is not really a battle. There is a reason that head coach Willie Simmons had to field questions about possibly benching his starting quarterback. He wasn't great this year. And you know what? I don't think that there was a lot of great offense in the SWAC. There was only two people who made me say, ooh, and Jeremy Musa wasn't one of them. What's the stat line? What's the game? What's the performance where you said, ooh, in watching Jeremy Musa? And it was in a positive tone. Because when he was dropping 200 rushing yards on Southern, that's when I was saying, ooh, about Ladarius Owens. It's been Owens and it's been Keyshawn Johnson. Right. The Alabama state wide receiver. He did so much for that team. He was the only threat on that team, yet was still getting 100 yard performances. He made me say, "Ooh, another all swag player. Right. First team all swag wide receiver. Ladarius Owens and the stretch he went on made me say, "Ooh." I didn't get that with with uh with, with, with Musa. I didn't get that. And, you know, that's OK. 
when we're talking about him as a player. That's okay when we're talking about him as a player. But when we're talking about SWAC Offensive Player of the Year, I can't have your own fan base asking for you to be benched. I can't do it. That guy, what makes that guy deserve the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year? And I know Alabama State fans are feeling the same anger when it comes to Bubba Adams not getting Defensive Player of the Year. But that ain't my fight right now. Y'all keep fighting it, though. Y'all keep fighting it. Right now, my fight is Ladarius Owens versus Jeremy Musa. The fact that one could potentially be an All-American and the other has no chance of being that. The fact that one went on a stretch where he was phenomenal against the best defenses against the rush in the SWAC, while the other one was up and down for the majority of the year. What are we talking about? What are we comparing? You must be comparing FAMU versus Texas Southern. Because if you're comparing Ladarius Owens versus Jeremy Musa, there's no way we walked away with Musa as the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year. But if I'm comparing the Rattlers versus the Tigers, all right, I get it. And that's what we're really doing. Team success is not the deciding factor. It is the factor. These two guys weren't, these two guys weren't close. These two guys weren't close. I think that, and I, to put it in the perspective, if a quarterback played like Ladarius Owens played, his team would be in the SWAC championship game, even if they had two losses, and he would be the SWAC offensive player of the year. But running back does not have the sway. Imagine a quarterback being third in passing yards in the nation. You think he isn't winning SWAC offensive player of the year? I would love to know where Akil Glass and Alabama AM ranked when he won the fall SWAC player of the year. Because if I'm not mistaken, they were third, maybe fourth in the SWAC East. I should I should look that up, and I don't have my phone on me right now. Somebody look that up. I'll mention it on tomorrow's episode. I'll mention it on tomorrow's episode. But the idea that winning is the most important thing is probably also positional value added in there as well. But I'm going to look up what Akil Glass and Alabama A&M were at when uh, he won SWAC Offensive Player of the Year. And not in the spring, in the fall, when they didn't win the SWAC that, that uh, season. But as we move forward, I want to look at Devin Smith because Devin Smith, to me, is the one player who performed extremely well for North Carolina Central in their playoff game. And he did it at an important time that doesn't get highlighted as much, but it will today as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is the number one place for all small business owners. If you have a job that needs to be filled, why are you not at LinkedIn? There's 800 million people who are on LinkedIn on a daily basis. Why are you not on LinkedIn? Why are you not trying to find the proper fit for your company? See, we can go through qualifications. We can do that, but let's look at culture. Let's be able to get a feel of who this person is. You can do that on LinkedIn. Now, I appreciate LinkedIn because if you're a small business owner, you can find people. And if you're looking for a job, you can find a small business owner. It works both ways. But all you have to do as a business owner is use the purple hashtag hiring frame and you can post your job for free. That's at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
from the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what that ridiculous thing I just did with my hands, that slideshow, that Microsoft PowerPoint transition uh, fingers I threw up. But I appreciate y'all for rocking with me still. Devin Smith was the standout player for North Carolina Central in their playoff game. And I think we need to look at playoff games as more money games now money games are a polarizing topic at times here but for me i like to turn that into a double entendre now obviously they're called money games because the university is getting paid money to play that game right it's beneficial and i know you're going to lose and or most times you're going to lose that's what it's set up for you're meant to lose that game but you're going to get paid for your efforts cool but i also think that another way to mean it when i say it is this is a money game for all of the players. No, they're not getting a cut off of the check. It's not, you know what? We're going to go ahead and drop 500K on North Carolina Central. I want you to give each one of the players a thousand. Like that's that's not what's happening. You're not getting literal money. But I do believe that oftentimes this is a situation to where you can put yourself on the map for other scouts, on the map for other scouts. Um, the playoffs are not money games. They're not. But I think that they should be looked at a little bit similar in the sense that the attention that it gets. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe that a playoff game more than likely gets more attention than a regular MEAC conference game. I think more scouts are going to come. I don't think the attendance is as high. But as far as scouting and things of that attention, I think that you're getting that. Same goes with big time games against um or games against big time FCS competition. Right. Like you're going to get attention from scouts in that way, because a lot of times scouts just do not care about HBCU football. So the HBCU players have to get this attention and get the um, not notoriety, but. The look, essentially get that look from playing someone else, and this isn't about external validation, and I, I feel like every time I explain external validation, external evaluation, I can't talk today, external validation. On the podcast, it never comes out the way that I think it does when I write it or when I think it, right? I think external praise, wanting external praise is okay. I don't think external validation is okay, right? Like, let me just say that in one sentence and move on. But with this, this is an external, this is about making it to the league. And I think that these type of games can be helped because scouts are already there. Scouts are already present. Is on a significantly lesser scale when we're talking about the FCS playoffs than when we're talking about FBS opponents. Like, I just want to be very clear. The University of Virginia versus North Carolina Central is going to have way more scouts there than Richmond versus North Carolina Central. But I do believe that there's more scouts at Richmond versus North Carolina Central than North Carolina Central versus Norfolk State. That's my point. And with the slightly elevated attention, Devin Smith's Sean. And not shun, he shone, shine. He was shining. 
Okay, Devin Smith was shining. I think it's shown, though. Um, but Devin Smith really was a bright spot for North Carolina Central in that game. He was arguably the only bright spot. And I think that he made himself a little bit of money. And I like the trajectory that Smith is going on. His first year, or 2021, I should say. So, yeah, his first year. Um, no, his sophomore year, excuse me. His sophomore year, he was the second wide receiver. He did a little bit of something, enough to make you say, all right, this guy can be my number one in his junior year. Now, this is his junior year that we just passed. And in that season, you're looking at a player who just dropped 202 receiving yards. And he was the only thing going. When everything else fell apart, the one touchdown drive that they had was from a short throw to Devin Smith that he ran and went for it. He had a near 90-yard, if it was a 90-yard, reception for a touchdown where he beat the cornerback deep, put a move, and then showed his speed. Devin Smith looked really good, and I thought he put some good things on film. He did it at the right time, too. So not only did he go against Richmond, he also went against Elon. He also went against Campbell. And against Campbell, he had 90 yards in that game. So the trajectory for him is second wide receiver, step in, become a number one and an all MEAC player with a couple of big performances against FCS schools that aren't in the MEAC or in the SWAC. And I hate to be that way to separate it, but we're talking about scouting. We have to separate it. And if you don't understand why, at South Exclusives, I'm more than willing to talk about it, like for real, because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm viewing it from a different landscape, right? But this ain't even on sellout stuff. It's just trying to get to the NFL. The scouts are looking at certain things. Like, it's just like, we just got to be real about it here. But in your second year, you show out in a couple of those games. Now your third year, your senior year, now I'm looking for you to really transform and be a player who's a dominant force. But so far, you're moving on up like the Jeffersons, right? The trajectory is nice. I was happy to see him do that in his last game. And 202 yards is by far his most yards in a singular game in 2023, right? And he touched that, uh, added on to that with a touchdown as well. So Devin Smith, I thought he performed well at the appropriate time. And I wanted to make sure that we gave that some shine because it was all doom and gloom around North Carolina Central. And I thought that Smith's performance could have got lost in the shuffle, but I wanted to make sure that it didn't. So we came on here and did that. Now, tomorrow we will be discussing T.C. Taylor. No matter what else happens, T.C. Taylor in his first year at Jackson State will be discussed. There was just so many things that happened today that I had to get into them. I had to, I had to, I had to. But on Thursday, we'll be looking at T.C. Taylor and we won't have any extra games to watch because we only have one game this week, and that'll be our Friday game of the week. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.